everyone, welcome back to Hostel Stories, where we pick up the extraordinary journey of my dear friend Roberto as he sets out to cross the US-Mexico border in search of a brighter future. I'm your host Zena, and I'm absolutely thrilled to share the next chapter of this truly inspiring story with you. In our previous episode, we delved into the emotional roller coaster of Roberto's journey, a journey filled with excitement as he hit the open road, driven by the dream of a better life. We stood witness to tearful goodbyes as he parted ways with his beloved brothers and mother, leaving behind the familiar in pursuit of the unknown. Together with Roberto and his fellow travelers, we traversed the unforgiving terrain of a snake-infested desert, where water and sustenance grew scarcer with every step. But the journey took an even more heart-wrenching turn when the coyotes, who were supposed to guide them safely, left Roberto and his father stranded right in front of an impassable river. Just imagine the feeling of hope teetering on the brink of despair. As hope seemed to slip away, they found an unexpected lifeline in the form of compassionate fishermen who helped them reach the nearest town. While Roberto's father had begun to resign himself to the idea that their American dream might be out of reach, Roberto's spirit remained undaunted. His heart still burned with a desire to make his dream a reality, and he began to devise a plan. And it was during this crucial moment that a stranger, moved by their story, began to listen, and hope began to search once more. one way or the other and my dad keeps saying no I'm not gonna go like I'm not gonna go and there's no way I'm gonna go mm-hmm. he just keeps saying that and I said okay you go back I'll figure out my way how to get there 16 years old and I said I don't know oh what I'm gonna God. do uh-huh. I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm gonna cross the border one way or the other and then we met this guy I don't know okay. if he was listening to us or heard the story and he said so I know this one guy who can take us because mm-hmm. I'm going too. He thinks it's only eight hours. Like he said, it's only one night and then you're there. And then all you have to do is like, once you're there, they pay the money. That's mm-hmm. it. You don't have to have the money right now. Once you're there, they call your family. They give them the money. Then you're done. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of convinced my dad. Kind of, kind of slowed his heart. Oh, yeah. Kind of inspired him. Uh-huh. And my dad started listening. Okay, so what else, how much we got to pay? Mm-hmm. And then he asked him questions, right? And then... At the end, ended up like my dad kind of, kind of spied up a bit. And he was like, okay, all right, let's do it then. And so the next day, the very next day, because uh-huh. we sleep at night there. And the next day, they, it was like already, like it was, people were already ready to go the next day. Mm-hmm. So that's why they say like, uh, there's a guy that's going tomorrow and you can try if you want. And they're going to charge you this money, blah, blah, blah. And so we're like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we did the next day. We talked to the guy. I don't know how we figured out. I don't remember anymore that much. But the thing is, like, they took to this river again. Mm-hmm. It was a nighttime. Very dark. And there was, like, a bunch of guys, guys with us. There, that's, like, wow. Mm-hmm. And so, we we all... There was two cars. We can barely fit in this motherfucking cars. So, we, we got to the river. And then they say, okay, everybody have to be quiet. 
and put you have to bring a uh a, a bag mm-hmm. has to be black and then you have to bring your water that's all you need you don't need food you don't need anything anything else and so we're like okay cool mm-hmm. and so and then i came out we arrived to the place it was like i don't know it's a very strange feeling to just go with all these guys who are trying to cross the border and and you're there, young, still figuring out what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. And if they, is, I don't even know how the migra, that's the name of the guys. The migra, the, the no patrol mm-hmm. guys. How are they going to uh, see us? I don't mm-hmm. know. So I was scared in a way. Because I was like, I don't know these guys. We, we get to where the river was. It was a huge river too. But the good thing about this side was that the coyote... He told us that we're going to cross the river, but we're going to hold hands. Everyone is going to hold hands. Mm-hmm. You cannot let go. You have to hold your hand because it's dark and you can't see anything, nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge river. And then under, under, under the river, there's like huge wave. It kind of mm-hmm. pushes you to go. Wow, and scary. if you don't know how to swim, you're fucked. So we put our clothes in the bag. And then we everyone's kind of got it together. And we start going, let's go. And everyone has to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Just make sure you don't let go of their hand. And so I got close to my dad. My dad uh, was in the back. I was in the front. There were some other guys in the back. We kind of holding hands. And there was like, yeah, we're on time, you guys. We, and then we start crossing the river. Once we cross it, it was like everybody was like, oh, we made it. So let's continue walking. Let's continue walking. Uh-huh. And then we got to this one place. We walk about an hour or something. And then we said, the coyote said, now we're going to wait here up until the morning before sunrise. Then we're going to walk. We waited and waited up to the sunrise. We were all awake. Nobody slept that night. And then the next morning, we found like some shadow and then we started walking. Started walking, walking, walking about two to four hours. We continue. There was one guy who was in front. The other guy back. The one who's going in front, he kind of check out before, like mm-hmm. all the way, if everything is good. Then he called the other guy, okay, you guys should continue walking. So that's how they kind of manage the thing. And so we continue walking, continue walking. Sometimes they say, okay, you guys got to wait. So we got to wait. Sometimes it could be 30 minutes, 40 minutes, mm-hmm. an hour. And then we continue walking. We continue walking. Up until we got to this one, we could hear the road, finally. could hear the road of this highway. Cars like, mm-hmm. could see far away. And then we, we got there. Uh, there was like this border thing that we had to wait under it. And then the coyote said to us, oh, there, before that, actually, I'm going to just put that out there when, before finish the story, because it's almost done. So before that night that we were walking, we heard the sirens and, uh, everybody started running. Okay, so when well. the, the guy said, whenever you hear, Something going on. Uh-huh. Stay together. Don't run. Hide. But everybody started running. And I started running. And we were following mm-hmm. the other guys. So me and my dad, we were... Uh, I kind of didn't want to separate myself from my dad because I want him to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then we started running because mm-hmm. we heard the siren somewhere. And then the guy said, like, don't run. Don't run. And then everyone started running. And then as I was running, it's dark. Can't see anything. I stepped on something. On like a big, I don't know, like a bunch thing. And then I heard, like I moved this little tree there that, I, that was there. Mm-hmm. I moved it. And then I heard the snake. Wow. And I was like, 
fuck! Oh my god. I was very close to being by, but then I uh-huh. continued running because I was running when I moved this. I heard the sound. Mm-hmm. So basically, the snake was right, right, almost under my feet. So, but I continued running. And then I went for walking down this hill. I had this bench that was right here, like a, like a part of the tree. And I pushed it. Mm-hmm. And when I let go, the tree came back again on my face. And it hit me, and I oh, fall down, wow. and I started bleeding. But I wasn't. There's no thinking. There's no stop. It's like uh-huh. you just run, sort of thing. Just like surviving. just doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. They don't care either. So if you stay there, it's your fucking problem. So it's surviving, mm-hmm. basically. Anyways, that's the part of the story that I didn't say. But we made it. Mm-hmm. We stayed safe and somewhere. We waited. Then we waited for the sunrise. Sunrise came out. Start walking. Blah, blah blah. And then we get to the board. When we got to the border, the coyote said to us, okay, we're going to wait here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wait for the guy who's going to give us the same design to, to get into the car. And when this car passed by, he's going to stop only for less than a minute. Mm-hmm. So everybody has to run the fastest as you can, oh my God. jump into the car and get in the car. Otherwise, you're going to stay here and everyone's wow. going to leave you behind. Uh-huh. So we were like, oh, fuck. Okay, so I guess this is it. Kind of was exciting, but at the same time, scared, very scared. Sure. So there was this uh, big highway, a lot of cars passing by, I could see the cars. And then the other guy said, whispered to us, we are in the United States already. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this is such a feeling, you know? Like, no way. Like, he's like, we've made we it. We're in the United States, like we're already here. <gasps> All we have to do now is just to jump. No. <laughs> that, that feeling, you know, like of saying like, Gone all this way uh-huh. to finally be in that place that you always wanted to be. And it was this close, right? <laughs> so fun. Anyways, the guy was, was just waiting for that, for, for the symbol, the sign mm-hmm. to, to say, okay, it's time to, to run and go. And so, okay, hey, it's getting closer. Mm-hmm. So whenever I give you guys a sign, you guys are going to jump and just get in the car, uh, with very strong voice, like very, I don't know. It's like very kind of scared in a way. Mm-hmm. And he says, coming very close, like really, really close. So you guys be ready. We were waiting there, waiting there. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you see that car? Because it was kind of far away. Because mm-hmm. you see that car, the big truck, blue? That's the truck that you guys going to get in. And then we were waiting there. And we're like, oh man, this, this fire, this excitement. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. The car was like, I don't know. They were, they, the cars were passing by really fast. So the car just like stopped like, Fast, like really fast, like just mm-hmm. stopped. And then we said, okay, guys, go. Wow. And then everybody jumped into this wow. little corner. I and had goosebumps. I was, I was, I'm a small guy. Uh-huh. So it was like this huge guy that I was, uh, I was just getting in and I was like the last one almost. Mm-hmm. And he grabbed me and he just kind of just, uh, throw me inside the, the, the back <laughs> of the car. So that was hilarious. Oh the way he just grabbed God. me. It's like, <laughs> there's no, there's no thinking. It's just doing. Like, I see. it was so fun, actually. Uh-huh. And then, uh, the, the, some guys were on the back, actually, and some of them were in front. So I was mm-hmm. in the back, just laying the back of this truck. And then the, the other guys were in front, but everyone was just like so, Close together and what is it called when, when you just squish, like squeeze. a squeeze? Everyone was just Everyone's so squeezed. Freezing. And the guy who's driving, he needs to look like he's just very chill. 
that was the most hilarious thing. Yes, because uh-huh. you could, I could see it from like this part of the window that I could see him, and I could see the guy. He's just like like pretending that he's driving very chill, that he uh-huh. don't have anybody there sure. because of this patrol see him oh. that he has like people. Oh, oh man, big big job. deal, big yeah. deal. Anyways, uh, what happened to your dad? My dad was inside too. Okay. So someone grabbed him too and he put made him inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other guys just stay there. I don't know if, the, honestly, I don't know if anybody was left behind because mm-hmm. it was happening so fast that I wasn't even thinking or seeing mm-hmm. it. It just happened. Acting. So we were in the back. Man, that feeling mm-hmm. of being in the back of the truck and knowing that, that we were safe. We made it. And then I could look at the sky, just, Looking at the clouds, mm-hmm. and I was—I mean, we were all very stuck together sure. on, the, on the back. It was a pickup truck, uh-huh. so you can—you couldn't raise your hands up or anything like that because if they see you, then you're the, the guy is fucked. And so we were just like kind of leaning all together, but I have the chance to look up at the sky, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god! We and were like kind of whispering like... to each other, "Man, we made it!" Uh-huh. Now all we have to do is just wow. go to the house and then we're all we're all done. It was a very interesting feeling that now that I'm speaking about it, I forgot. I forgot the experience yeah. and I forgot, I forgot the feeling, what it feels like. Uh-huh. And so we drove about three to four hours, I think, driving. Mm-hmm. He drove about four to three hours. Then we got to Houston, Texas. And then we start here in the city, you know, mm-hmm. the city going on. And then I heard this door opening, mm-hmm. the automatic door, and then we enter to this. Could feel that the car was entering somewhere, and then I see the ceiling of the house. Mm-hmm. Once the door was closed, the guy opened the door, and he said, "Felicidades, congratulations, guys, you guys you made, made it. it." And I was like, <gasps> oh, my "Oh my god!" It's <laughs> like holy shit. Your dream came true. You finally made it there. Yeah. And then we got out. And then he said, okay, you guys come and go to go uh-huh. this way. You guys going to go to this room. You guys going to stay in this room up until your family pay the price that you mm-hmm. need to pay. And then you're free to go. You can go wherever you want. I can give you a number where you can take you wherever state you want to go. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, now you guys are safe. All you need to do is just pay the money. Yes. Oh, man. That oh was the God. best feeling in the world after all these days of yeah and that's nothing compared to a lot of people what other people go through but then we sit in a room very comfortable and i was just i was mind-blowing and i was this baby who's like admiring everything because the house looks different where i came from there was a carpet floor and warm and the house looks really nice. And then they brought us pizza, mm-hmm. soda, like, how oh, we, I'd like, I'll never forget those pizza. <laughs> I swear, the way we eat the pizza was uh-huh. magical. The way, cause we were starving for the day. So I was like, without eating. And that was the best pizza I ever had in my entire, the first pizza. Uh-huh. Actually, that's my first pizza. And, the best pizza I ever had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And then we stayed there for like two days, two nights. And then the next morning, the guy, well, the guys was saying, he got us together the night that we got there. And then he said, okay, guys, I'm going to write your name down. 
and I'm going to just call you out when your family have paid. I'm going to call out your name, and then you can go. Mm-hmm. So we were just waiting for my for my family to pay. I was the next day, actually, when we we, we heard of my dad's name, Rolando. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, oh, yeah, I think some news, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he said, well, your, your family paid, so you and your son, you guys can go now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he arranged somehow, like, how can we get to, to the place that we needed to get? That was the beginning of my adventure in the United States. Wow. So you made it all the way there. You went through all the struggle. I mean, like, it's it's insane. It's crazy. The moment when you described me, like, you were in the track all squeezed, like, not being able to make any sound, but looking at the sky and realizing, like, you made it. You are following your dream, and all the struggle you did was just worth it. And what was the moment of freedom? <laughs> Isn't it hilarious? That moment that you achieved what you wanted to do. One way or the other. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> like, you can be so proud of yourself, and you are. And yeah. it's amazing. It's stunning. It's so inspiring. Like a little 16 years old guy boy you know having that one dream and chases it after you know no matter what and wow beautiful so inspiring yeah incredible thank you thank you for sharing the story a lot thank you as well for these really intimate parts that you told me about you know like the last time you saw your mom and how how much you were crying thank you for sharing this with me as well and in general, being so super honest, right? Like yeah. about your ego too, that a few things came out of your ego. It seems to be really reflected. And I guess like back then, this was like a, it seemed to be like a nightmare what you've been through. And it's so beautiful how you talk about it now. It's a big part of your life and this is how your story started and makes you the wonderful person that you are now. Yeah, I think those kind of stories kind of change your world mm-hmm. view. And now I see them as an adventure, the experience that I had. Although at the time, obviously, I was, because I was young, so I wasn't really wary much, but still, I feel afraid of a lot of things. But I think if that would be the case in day, today, maybe I would be more afraid. I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. At the time, maybe it was just an adventure for me and I have mm-hmm. a lot of energy and it was painful. And a lot of things were painful, yes. I have to be very clear on this, that I'm so grateful, so thankful mm-hmm. that I went to these experiences. And not just that, but I mean, in general in life, I think when we go through hard times and experience like this, it just adds some spice in your own life. I feel so much alive now more than anything else because I have experienced this type of lifestyle and it's so Um, fun to talk about it. Like coming back to the memories and just laugh about it. This is amazing. To me, that's proving myself that one, if I want something, I go and get it and I push Mm -hmm. myself doesn't matter what, I just go and even though it's going to be painful, challenging, mm. but I go either way. So I'm proving myself how strong I am in some way, mm. I guess. I'm very glad and happy and grateful that, mm. that I have those experiences. And I can't wait to get some more new experiences myself. Definitely. I mean, like, as soon as you get out of your comfort zone, as soon as you're willing to let 
everything back, all the good life that you had back then with your friends and family, right? You actually felt good. But you just gave up everything, right? For a dream that you had and you achieved that dream, right? And it's all about that. We can achieve everything. It's only our decisions that we make to make our dreams come true. And you're the best example for it. You went out of your comfort zone big times. And you made it to the state. Of course, how was it like being in the States? Was it like how you imagine it? That's a great question. When I when I was a kid, I used to watch movies. Uh-huh. There was a channel named Seven, and the number seven in Mexico, that you see all these movies that are from the, the 90s, from the 2000s, early 2000s, that were from the United States. Mm -hmm. It was free. So mm -hmm. we were able to watch these type of channels because it was free. And every Saturday, there would be a movie. Mm -hmm. And so me and my brothers were gathered together. Every Saturday, it was like, ah, movie night. Uh -huh. Because... I mean, we didn't have money, so we didn't have money to pay for channels, etc. But this one was free, and we were able to, my dad having a TV. And so every Saturday night, we would, ha we would uh, gather together to watch a movie. Uh, and it could be any movie, but it was from the United States. It would be in Spanish, obviously, because they changed it to, they have, mm -hmm. like, a uh, translator. And I would see the houses, how they look, the places, and I always thought of, Man, the house is so beautiful, like mm -hmm. the way they look, compared to where I was living, compared to where I was staying, compared to the town that I was living in. And I thought of like, oh man, everything is grass, everything looks clean, everything looks amazing to me. Mm -hmm. So that was my vision of the United States. And then people are rich, people have money, mm -hmm. and people look different. It was a new, new world for me, a whole world. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived, I couldn't believe it for like, maybe for like, Three months. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really believe that I was there because it happened in a few days. I was in Mexico and then, then next month I was the next uh, dream that I always dream of for years mm -hmm. and years. For me, it was because we drove at night. Mm -hmm. So normally the night when I, when the first time I entered, it was I couldn't see anything. Then we would drove and I couldn't see much a lot, but I could see through the window a bit. Like, oh, man, we think we have some time during the day because it was a long drive of more than 24 mm. hours, I think. And we could see, I could see the land and how beautiful they look. I was just so mesmerized by the mm. way it, it was here in the United States. I could see the fields, the cows, the houses, and how clean the streets were, how beautiful they looked. Like the fields, mm -hmm. the animals, the houses. It was for me like being in a dream. Mm -hmm. And so when we arrived, we arrived at night to the town that we're supposed to stay. And then the next day, I stayed with uh, this one friend of my, my dad. And then, but I was still like, I don't know how to take it because the dream came true. But also I have to worry about making money now. Mm. So like, yes, I'm, I'm mesmerized by what I'm seeing. But at the same time, I have to worry about how I'm going to work, make money, blah, blah, blah. But the feeling for me was very, it was very hard actually. Mm -hmm. uh, it was to see the beauty. It was so beautiful and everything. But I could not stop thinking about my family. Mm -hmm, definitely. It was one of the hardest parts in the world. And this is a story I did have shared. But... 
my dad already have a job, but I didn't have a job. Mm. So my dad was already okay. He know where he was going to work. And he was like, okay, but he was looking at a job for me. And then they found this job after two days. Mm. Uh, I was just in the house. I couldn't go out because I was kind of, didn't know how to take this new world in my mm. Um And then I remember they took me to a restaurant and then I was just very mind blown. I, I don't know. I was just mind blown for what was happening to me. And they gave me this job. And then the, the job was staying in this highway. It's within the town, but there's not a lot of houses around. It's just this restaurant in there. Mm. And then this old lady who uh, needed uh, someone to help her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she was Mexican, but she only speaks Spanish. Barely, barely any. I mean, she, she was Mexican, but only speak English, barely Spanish. And then they say they found your job there. Uh, and they're you know, going to give you a room. So you're mm. going to stay there. You're going to want to pay rent. You're not going to pay rent. They're going to pay you. And all you have to do is help this lady. Mm. And that was very challenging for me at the time, which I'm grateful that happened. But I think that was part of why also I became sort of like a lone wolf of like a, like a person who is on his own path, just mm-hmm. alone. I think that's where it started. Because I was family oriented. Mm-hmm. I lived with my parents, my family when I was in Mexico. Sure, yeah. When I went to this, to work for this lady, I was a boy. I was the only young boy. It was just this lady. It was just me. Mm. And the restaurant was kind of like an old restaurant. Like, not a lot of people go there. And the people go to eat there. They are old. There's no young people. It kind of feel like I was very much isolated. The food didn't taste so well because it was new food for me. Like... For me, the food from the United States was just disgusting. I didn't like it at all because I wasn't mm. used to it. But that's not that's not the the end part. The hardest part was, oh man, because I had this room, and it was like on the side of the restaurant, and then there was like the air condition and the sound of the air condition was was there all the time because at night it's very hot, it's extremely hot. Mm. I remember that I would go out because there's nobody around, like nobody at night mm-hmm. when I'm done with my job. I would sit outside on this like little bench, look at the sky by my door, just listening to nothingness, listening to whatever the sound was around, maybe some cars pass by and the new city, the new town that I was in. Mm-hmm. And then I remember my family. My brothers. Wow. I remember the face mm-hmm. of them. That was the hardest part because every night I would sit there and I would cry. Okay, wow. Every night for like a month. Wow. Because I miss my family so much. Of course. Bad. Of course. My brothers, my little brothers, mm-hmm. my younger brother who was my best friend, mm-hmm. my mom. Mm-hmm. and I didn't know anybody I'm there alone mm-hmm. nobody knows me mm-hmm. and my dad is in a different house within the same time but he's in a different house and I could feel he kind of felt love for me mm-hmm. but he's kind of very tough man mm-hmm. he doesn't show love but I could see good essence him like sometimes he will come visit me mm-hmm. and he's like oh you're good but he's like he doesn't show any emotions but you can feel that he cares mm-hmm. And sometimes he will come visit me. And I was just sitting there. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was the beginning of my path mm-hmm. you know, to the new life that I that I'm in now. And yeah, that was the toughest part. But also, I know that that was more, the most rewarding part because mm-hmm. that's what helped me to be on my own. Now that I'm talking about it, it made me realize that that is the one part where I let go of everything. I let go of my family. I let go of a lot of things and realize that I'm alone, mm-hmm. you know, with the time. After a month or so, uh, after crying every fucking night, mm-hmm. I realized that, okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And then mm-hmm. that was the beginning almost of a new life too because I had to kind of close the cycle sure. where I was leaving my fam and I don't, I'm not, I'm a grown man now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm a grown man now. I'm 16 years old, yeah. Yeah, because I'm working for myself. My family is away. I don't rely on anybody, rely on anybody. I'm doing this on my own. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing this on my own. Yeah, within a month, then... Um, after I went through all these emotions and feelings and letting go of my family, and I love them so much, and uh, yeah, I would sit up every night and listen. Sometimes I would listen to music that remember that remind me of them. Mm-hmm. And within the next month, I found a different job, and in this job, it was this Mexican restaurant. Then I found these guys that were almost around my age. Then I kind of fall into relationships with them as friends. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of feel a little bit more like, all right, I'm feeling a bit like Incredible. more outgoing, more like can meet new people, new friends. And because me and my dad, my dad never get along so well, mm-hmm. even though he had love for me and loves me. But we always kind of crush. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to be away from my dad. And there was a part where these guys were renting a room mm-hmm. somewhere f- away from the town. They were one day were like... Man, if we rent this room, we can all stay together. And mm-hmm. we can all rent together. And so we did that. And we rent this car, my room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stay with these three guys from San Luis Potosí, Mexico. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a lot of social life because I don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And because we were together, he had a car. Uh, in the morning, we drove to the restaurant. And then in the evening, we go back. There was these three guys. In the morning, we get up. Hey, guys, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go to work. And there's this nice Mustang that he has, with the classic nice Mustang. Very beautiful places, too, like the mm-hmm. Rose. And he was kind of like a bad boy, just like me, too. Like, we were kind of like these loners. Not mm-hmm. loners, but at the same time, we we know how to live on our own. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, uh, the beginning of my starting, like, a social life. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting getting used to the you know, to United States now, like, the beautiful... Mm-hmm. It, ah, man, where I was, where I was living... It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was in Oklahoma, and the, and the land, the gardens, the, the animals, the cows. Mm-hmm. You can see a lot of deers around. Uh, and yeah, so that was like after that, going through the cycle of closing the being attached to my family. Mm-hmm. Then I started my new life, and then mm-hmm. wow. a new chapter from that. But beautiful. that's how I saw the United States when I. Started to adjust them. Yeah. That's how I view it from that angle. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing as well the time briefly after arriving in the States. I have I have just one last question. If you are eager to share. If you are, you don't have to. Right on. Um 
So when was the next time you actually saw your family? I don't want to answer that question. Okay, that's yeah. okay. No, that's definitely that. fine. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that you told me until until here. Everything like you open up so much, and yeah. I'm so grateful for being the person you trust into to tell all those things. Because it's not easy to talk about all that. I mean, like, even though you are smiling and laughing and all that, yeah. still it's a really hard time that you've been through in your life. And I'm really, really happy that you are sharing that with me and trusting me. Yeah. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you, too, for asking the questions. And uh, the recent part of what I'm sharing as well is because part of, part of what I'm learning is that I'm awesome perhaps need to share part of my own life mm -hmm. so that people can relate. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people in the world that relate with my uh, stories and things like that. Doing it for the purpose of, one, expressing myself and perhaps letting a few things go and talking about it, kind of maybe come back to this time and realizing, oh, man, I didn't know that I, I had these awesome experiences. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, maybe inspire people. Mm -hmm. Who knows? I am. All, I'm, I'm about to take a journey as well, where I'm going to be mm -hmm. more, be more extroverted. Where I'm just going to continue sharing mm -hmm. my life, and maybe people can relate to it. You know, mm -hmm. because I think that's part of purpose in life. Mm -hmm. I believe is to share Definitely. who we are, yeah. uh, even though it's not easy. Because for me, sharing this. It's not something that I commonly do, and especially mm -hmm. publicly, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not something that I'm a very introvert person mm -hmm. in a way. So those things, I'm a bit of attached to those things that I don't want to just to tell everybody, oh, mm -hmm. look at this, what happened to me, mm -hmm. what I have experienced. So I'm learning how to express mm -hmm. that. And the reason behind it is because I want to share, because maybe someone can inspire, maybe someone feel related to mm -hmm. it, you know? Who knows? Yeah, definitely. And silence. And everyone should be listened to. There are so many people unlistened. And yeah, maybe you are the person who inspires people. Maybe you are the person other people feel related to, feel understood. And I think like that helps a lot of people already. Just by sharing your story as you just did. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you. There we have it, the remarkable continuation of Roberto's journey, a testament to the unyielding spirit of those who dare to cross the US-Mexico border in pursuit of a better life. As we close this chapter, it's impossible not to reflect on the reasons, the danger, and the sheer necessity that drive Latin Americans to embark on this perilous odyssey. Roberto Suri reminds us that behind the headlines and statistics are real people, each with their own dreams, struggles, and hopes. Their stories challenge us to understand the complexities of migration, to empathize with the choices they face, and to consider the world from their perspective. Their stories, often untold, underscore the privilege we sometimes take for granted. So, by listening to their experiences, we're invited to question, to empathize, and to understand. But our journey doesn't stop here. 
In the next episode, we'll venture out in a different realm, a realm of profound silence. Join me and my friend Corinna as we explore the meaning of silence in our loud world. Corinna shares her experiences attending a silent retreat where words give way to introspection and the noise of everyday life is replaced by the peace of contemplation. As we sign off for now, remember that every journey, every story and every encounter has the power to transform our perspectives and inspire us to seek out more stories, more connections and more understanding. To stay connected here and be the first to hear these incredible narratives, make sure to subscribe to Host Stories on your favorite podcast platform. Your support means the world to me and your feedback helps me continue to bring you these inspiring narratives. If you have any thoughts, questions or stories of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. Until then, stay curious, keep exploring and never underestimate the power of a single story. Thank you for being a part of the Hostel Stories community. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Please note that for the sake of the story sensitivity, I changed Roberto's name. The name Roberto was chosen randomly and has no link to any other story.